0: Hello, this is Deb, host of Deb's Data Dojo, and researcher for Calling All Beings. This podcast is part of the Calling All Beings channel. I'm very grateful that you're here today to listen as I speak to our special guest. The first guest today is Nathan, who's been a co-host with me. Nathan is co-host of Calling All Beings and Luminal Frames podcast with Exo Academian. Hey, Nathan, how are you?
1: Doing great, Deb. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to chatting with you. Very excited to see uh, your channel and, and podcast grow. You've, you've done an excellent job. A very strong start. So really looking forward to this chat tonight.
0: I, I think the secret sauce is this is just a fascinating thing to talk about, isn't it?
1: Oh, man. Seriously, <laughs> no shortage of cool things. To I talk know, about.
0: right? There's so much to talk about. Okay, so would you like to know who we have as our main guest today? Absolutely. Okay, we have a very special guest and someone I consider to be a friend. Um, we have Mr. James Iandoli. Nice. Welcome, James. Okay.
2: Hey, how James. you doing, guys? Thanks for having uh, me.
0: Hi there. So I'm going to tell everyone about who you are, James. Um, James works to educate the public on his two YouTube channels. Engaging the Phenomenon, and Meta-Perspective. He works with concepts of high strangeness, CE5, telepathy, meditation, and so much more. Welcome, James.
2: I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Okay, so can can you... Um, Start at the beginning for us and tell us a little bit about what brought you into working on high strangeness, C five, all those fun topics.
2: Sure, I can give you the long of the short. Which one you want?
0: <laughs> to find long, <laughs> um,
2: yeah, the whole show. Okay. Um, well, here I'll, I'll I'll start off short and you lead me from there. I okay. Starting starting from a very young age, I had experiences that fall within the realm of high strangeness um so you know you're talking about um interaction with entities out-of-body experiences lucid dreaming and and things of that nature and they always stood out to me they were always very vivid um they were always intriguing to me and they happened frequently enough where i I didn't i didn't see it as like a one-off um so because that happened at a very early age from a young age, a lot of these things I just took as part of life. And with that being said, I, you know, even as a young kid, I would read books and, um, you know, all different topics from UFOs to, um, you know, um, even meditation and, and different things like that. Um, but more so on the UFO side, um, when, in, in around 2007, um, that's, I'm trying to think, I'll be, I'm 20 years old at 2007, so right when I'm around 20 years old, I had a series of close encounters uh, that were very profound, um, and uh, they changed my life, and they were transformative in a way where I can no longer, like, be interested in this stuff. It was, at that point, I had, I, I felt the need to get uh, like directly involved, right, with engaging the phenomenon, so to speak. So um, that that led me on a journey to you know discovering CE5 and and getting very directly involved with the CE5 mo- movement um, and setting up some of the first CE5 um, networks on the internet and getting involved with CE5 field work and actually being proactive and doing CE5 contact work out in the field because. Prior to that, uh, as far as I know, all all the experiences that had happened to me were passive or involuntary, meaning they just kind of happened to me. Um, I guess you can say by chance, if 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 there is such a thing. Um, but when when I had heard about CE5, it I was thinking like I don't know how it, I didn't think of that before. Why didn't I think to to kind of like initiate that by myself? So finding that was profound for me. And so, um
0: may I ask did it feel like you've got some control of something that was a little bit uncontrollable with it?
2: In a sense, yes. In a sense, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I say in a sense because that's kind of like the very beginning of um of my journey in the sense of of that becoming a thing, because you know, C5 and even being able to work with uh, that framework, to borrow from Liminal Frames, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, coupled with um, very intensive meditation practice and study, uh, I think gave me, you know, all that together and and working diligently at that is overall, I think, what gave me more of that sense of um, maneuverability. You know, um, so I would say it's, that was the beginning of it, yeah.
0: Now, would you be comfortable telling us what those entities looked like at all? I'm just curious. I don't want to push if yeah. you don't want to tell us. <laughs> yeah, these,
2: so if, if you're talking about the ones early on, um, they were almost uh, transparent. You know, people talk about shadow people, this i guess could fit into that category but there was something luminous about it um and at that point i was you know as a kid i was terrified um and honestly the, the 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 real part about that that was most shocking to me wasn't even seeing it uh it or them um it was when i heard the, the, the voices in my mind or my body, I guess you can say, because there's more, it's more than just um, like listening. It's more than hearing. I f- felt it in my body too. Um, but so I, both of those together, but really, again, what really shook me, I guess you could say, was was actually hearing the, the voice to it. So both were jarring, but again, if I were to describe the aesthetic, it was almost like uh Shadow type being that had a luminous, a, you know, a luminosity to it, but then again, it I saw it literally morph into an orb. Um, so that's what those entities actually look like.
0: I think we could probably do at least two hours just talking about light beings and orbs and how they seem to be involved with this phenomenon. Nathan has right. some, yeah, interesting ideas about what that might mean well
2: i I was also going to say that you know i can't i can't 100 say that this entity and interaction is is 100 certainly um directly associated with the ufo phenomenon you know in retrospect i see Mm -hmm. correlations but at that time in that age i wasn't thinking you know ufos that's that's not for that time
0: You know, it's interesting, James, when I um, became interested in this, it was long after I had interest in other paranormal things. You know, when I was younger, I was interested in spirits and, you know, new age concepts. And I didn't think I'd get pulled into this, but I got pulled. (laughs) So, yeah. So I, I do think ultimately all these things are connected. Yeah,
2: I think that there's definitely at least some kind of intersection uh, to this or point of convergence, as we can, uh, you know, shout out to exo in there. Uh, definitely. So, I mean, what are the odds, right? There's, there's people that don't experience anything at all, right? Like just nothing. As far as they can consciously recall and admit, maybe some people, you know, have passing things and they just don't pay much attention and move on from there. But, you know, what are the odds that, you know, one person that has a UFO encounter also happens to have several other types of encounters, whether it's a ghost thing or precognition. Um, and, and, and the funny thing is, is that it it seems if you have one of these experiences, it's more likely that you're going to have the others. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the free, uh, study or, you know, right now it's, um, the Conscious Contact Research Institute, CCRI, with Ray Hernandez, did a bunch of research, and, uh, you know, they had some PhDs, and they took in data from, I think, at least 4,000 people, and that's that's what the information showed.
0: Well, one thing I definitely would like um, is for us to figure out what the basic framework is for consciousness. Like, what is the science behind that? We've had uh, some back and forth discussions about, could it be evolution? Could we just have evolved to the point where we're perceiving things that were already there? Um, You know, is is it just a basic building block that we're unlocking from our DNA somehow? Um, So, yeah, there's a lot lot to unpack with that. So, um, I wanted to ask about the CE5 in particular. Um, I know a lot of people don't understand what CE5 is. And there's some stigma because of some people that are associated with CE5. So I thought maybe you could tackle that a little bit and um, explain it a little bit to the people who are new to the concept.
2: Sure, which, um, which part (laughs) should I tackle first the stigma or or (laughs) the background of what CE5 is? Probably start with what CE5 is.
0: Yeah, let's do that first.
2: Okay. So, well, I can actually weave them together a bit. So, you know, CE5 is Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, uh, which is generally a, a human-initiated contact event. So it's, it's um, I actually did a video today that describes the different categories and the degrees of CE5. Um, so... You know, generally when we're talking about CE5, we're talking about a, a person or a group of people that are intentionally going out to have a close encounter with UFO intelligence. And Dr. Greer would, again, Dr. Greer founded the term CE5. Um, and and with that, the CE5 protocols. So Dr. Stephen Greer founded these protocols Um he said he discovered them with with UFO intelligence in the, in the mid-1970s, but then he officially founded C-SETI and the CE-5 initiative in uh, about 1990, 1991. And, you know, he he kind of set down the groundwork of how he defined CE-5. Um, but really, if you look at CE-5, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, in a, in a meta picture, so a larger kind of aspect of it or framework would be contact it's just intentional contact so um when when dr greer created the the ce5 uh protocols it was his methodology specifically of how to do a ce5 and his his protocol was basically that you do some kind of meditation you get into a deep calm meditative state and you do what he calls coherent thought sequencing Uh, and that's in his view, you know, you're using remote viewing actually. Um, and you're trying to use your inner vision to see, uh, a UFO or UFO occupant or any kind of UFO intelligence and, and vector them in visually in your mind's eye to the contact site and to your exact location. So that CE C five and. the the big stigma behind C5 uh, many of you will know is that it's, it's Dr. Stephen Greer. Um, Dr. Stephen Greer um, is a kind of an important name in, in, in ufology and in a lot of regards, actually disclosure and contact, but he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. He's had his fair share of um, mishaps and, often that reflects on CE5 because he, he's seen as the founder of CE5, even though in the past, um, you know, especially in the seventies, there were several different people that were doing exactly what we would define as CE5, although they didn't use what Dr. Stephen Greer would call the CE5 protocols. Um, so there's a distinction there that, you know, um, You know, CE5 itself is not bound to the CE5 protocols. The CE5 protocols are one way to achieve CE5. You know, in in the 1970s, uh, 1974, there was a group in uh, Lima, Peru, in South America uh, with Sixto Paswells and his friends and family, and they were doing just about the same thing. They were getting into deeper states of concentration and, and using automatic writing. And um, and they would get communications and, and use this automatic writing and, and be told to go out to a certain location at a certain time and date. And uh, Mission Rama and Sixto Walls called this program sightings. And they had very high success levels, even with um, local media going to the sites with them and recording these strange objects that would appear at the time and, and date and location that these program sightings, which are C E fives by definition, even though they're not using the C E five protocols. Um and again we have Dorothy Ezat. You know, she was uh sitting at home doing her meditation one day and she heard a um communication. She went outside and saw a craft and you know that's there's a whole story to Dorothy Ezat as well. So
0: I have always that's... wondered if that's how she did it, if she was Because I think of it, honestly, I have that scientific-minded concept that it might be like we make ourselves an antenna. And I've always wondered if that somehow she was using what scientists now call the biofield and emitting it. But it does seem like you have connected it to remote viewing in a way that I haven't thought of before. And I appreciate that because that was going to be a question later. (laughs)
2: Well, because actually, if you, if you look at um, Dr. Stephen Greer's materials for uh, like the CSETI working group manual, um, which again, I covered a video today talking about the different degrees of CE5 and the different levels, um, but Dr. Stephen Greer actually calls his coherent thought sequencing, which is CTS for short, uh, which is actually the main gist of the protocol because the rest of it, you know, the meditation is not necessarily... Uh, the protocol itself, that's just priming for for using the protocol and for having field interactions with UFO, UFO intelligence. But he actually calls coherent thought sequencing RV2, like remote viewing level two, because um, you're not only having a remote view, but you're then using your consciousness and awareness to vector that intelligence in. So you're actually kind of going a step beyond. So uh, again, if you look in Stephen Greer's old training materials, it says RV2. <laughs> That's
1: fascinating. Um, yeah, so, I mean, where do I begin here? I want to begin with consciousness. Yeah, super easy, easy topic there. Uh, but the, you know, James, we, we've kind of talked a little bit about this before, but I want to get your take on on your interpretation of what's going on with consciousness sort of generally. And I know that, I mean, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. My understanding of this is very much in, 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 process. Um, so I don't feel like I've got, you know, a firm, real firm sense of what's happening here. However, um, I am kind of trending and leaning toward consciousness being, uh, you know, sort of both non-local, but also really the bedrock of, of reality itself. Um, and I just wonder how you, you know, through the journey that that you've been on, interpret not only, I guess, like the 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 protocols. Because when I think of a protocol, I, I think of that from the standpoint of something uh, that is very like uh, like like laboratory experiment, right? It's like you know you're you're doing a certain sequence of things to kind of have a. a uh, maybe not a perfectly predictable, but a, a fairly predictable result. That's the whole point of having a protocol, is you want to try to, you know, achieve a similar kind of outcome. Um, so you have that kind of like materialist view of of engagement. And I wonder how you think of that in light of what may very well be something that's, you know, kind of non-material at all, you know, and that is consciousness. So has your understanding or or relationship to consciousness, has that changed over time or, you know, how are you thinking about it now?
2: Hmm. I don't know how, um, I mean, I guess I am hopefully in a constant flow of change, hopefully getting things a little bit better. Yeah. yeah, No, but, um, yeah, consciousness and, and well, and really the protocol too. And you mentioned the material and the immaterial or non-material, um, so, you know, actually the, the protocol itself, say CE5 protocols or contact modalities, mm-hmm. uh, but specifically with the CE5 protocol, it actually in the beginning was very much a research and development thing. Uh, you know, even in the early years, if we're talking about C-SETI, they, they said they were surprised at the success they were getting, how fast they were getting it. Mm. So, you know, that's one thing. Uh, I think consciousness... Um, you know, there's, there's a superb book by, uh, Lynn McTaggart called the field. Mm. And, you know, it talks about consciousness as a field, maybe as an all enveloping, you know, field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we use terms like, uh, material and non-material given our current understanding. Um, you know, as if there's certain things that we, we can't really measure. Right. And at what, 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 what at what point does it become material? Just if, if, if we did discover a way to measure consciousness, right. In some kind of unit, you know, would it then become material? Um, that I'm just posing that kind of as an open question. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that um, UFO intelligence is able to to technologically or, or maybe in some other way, I mean, I'm using technology from a way I can perceive it. Uh, mm-hmm. but the, the UFO phenomenon seems seems to be able to, uh, be able to interact with, with whatever consciousness is. Right. I mean, right. On, on every level that we can perceive it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have things like the telepathy and, you know, if you've seen that movie, uh, The Arrival, the newer yeah. one, right, with Amy yep. Adams, and they're interacting with these beings. That, I mean, the way that they are, you know, interacting even through synchronicity and time and precognition, um, you know, what does that say about uh, consciousness? You know, it just, mm-hmm. to me, it just makes me ask more questions. So I
1: think... Yeah, totally
2: yeah yeah i just have more questions
0: so this is why i want to bring up a great place for those questions that i appreciate the society for scientific exploration because they actually have peer-reviewed papers in their journal on consciousness and the science behind it and i actually um have the one of their uh Channel things right here so we could look at some of the titles that they have together. Um, so, look, they got uh, ESP practitioners, um, astrology as a subject of science, remote viewing. John Alexander's on here. Um, the reason I initially had heard about them was because Put Off, how Put Off had actually presented to them. And I didn't connect this until later of who they were. Oh, this is one of my favorites, the human biofield. And this is where I feel my heart is related to consciousness. I suspect that there's something there. So let me go ahead and head out of that. So for those who are not aware, what was formerly known as the aura is now basically called the biofield. It connects in some way to what we also call chi or chakras, or even if you wanna take a religious bend, it seems to be the spirit. And and they're studying it in a scientific way. They're actually taking measurements. Um, They're using some systems, other scientists, um, are using some systems to look at photons emitted from people And the people studying the biofields claim that our biofield, which, you know, of course, if you research, we really do have sort of a radiation from our bodies. Some people call it thermal radiation um, can go out about six feet. Mm. And so I've been experimenting with all of that. I find that fascinating. And I, you know, when they research people who meditate, for instance, they show the changes that are happening in their brains and they can change like the energy changes are visible. So what are you guys just, what are your thoughts about that?
1: I think it's cool.
2: Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I think it's cool. Um, So actually now this brings me to some things like, I think um, I'll I'll say, you know, in in Qigong, uh, it depends what Qigong teacher you speak to because some are more conservative than others, um, but somebody who's like a Qigong's Qigong guy who's really about it and is not going to kind of um, dumb down what what they actually teach, uh, you know, they'll tell you that um, practicing Qigong will uh, increase your intuition and even psychic energy. Um, so, in in Eastern traditions, they they very much correlate. Um, you know, the bio field and uh, energetics with psychic phenomenon and psychic powers, you know, in, in, in all the traditions, right. Uh, just about. And, um, you know, Qigong, I can tell you from personal experience, um, you know, when I was doing it, I used to do a lot more like Qigong, let's say, cause I did martial arts um, back many years ago. And, I would do like a, a regular workout and then I would do something that was kind of a mixture of yoga and Qigong. And I would do like CE five sequences, um, during that, that practice. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, either when I let, let got out of the gym or when I was driving home or when I drove home and step out of the car, um, there was, you know, a CE5 event taking place. So they, and a, actually um, I know certain people who branched off from Mission Rama, they do events in Mount Shasta every year. And one of the main things that they do during the day is Qigong. So they, they teach and practice Qigong um, as a way to um, be able to, to help facilitate uh, contact and CE5s. Um, So I I think that those practices are very practical um, and that there is a correlation between, um, you know, what I would call priming the antenna, um, not only for contact, but for other experiences. I had actually written a short piece I I shared with uh, one of my colleagues privately um, about you know, yoga and and qigong and and actually utilizing that for contact and again, priming the antenna. And um, I will say, although I see the correlation there and I think that they are connected, I'll also say, and, and, you know, there's things like, you know, qigong also has non-local aspects. So even though we think about, you know, channeling qi through our body and, and then using that for, you know, Enhancing your own psychic potentials or whatever it may be. You know, there's also, uh, you know, Qigong healing at a distance where they're, you know, there are people 10,000 feet away receive a Qigong healing and there's some kind of effect. And, you know, uh, Claude Swanson um, wrote some like heavy duty, like textbook uh, style books on all, any kind of energy work you can think of. And all that stuff is in his, his volumes. I I forget the, um, the names of these volumes, but Claude Swanson, um, he, he's got a few interviews on YouTube. Uh, he might've presented at SSE. And, um, again, I think that, you know, you're kind of, when you're talking about that kind of stuff, you're going in the right direction. I do think that there's something even more fundamental to consciousness even though that's a pathway for, for helping to better utilize consciousness, just like, um, you know, meditation might be, uh, you know, you can say meditation is one way, um, you know, Qigong, Tai Chi, uh, yoga, and those things are kind of, they're very similar, um, but they're more physical. Um, so I think those are all different pathways that are, you know you're you're like we said priming the antenna for all kinds of you know contact modalities but um
0: i i just i, think, I just feel like honestly we're it's all gonna end up being connected i think we're gonna yeah. find out things like quantum entanglement aren't part of it you know the quantum wave theory might be part of it you know it's funny how um the the quantum theories are like sound a little bit more woo than anything, but they actually are based on science, um, theoretical at this point, which most science is. But oh, well. anyway. So I guess I feel like when we're talking about you know material versus non-material, maybe that non-material is actually like you said, waves. You know that we're just not seeing, we're not able to perceive them, but they're physical waves that exists. And it's connecting us to something far, far away, or maybe they're not that far away, who knows?
1: Right. And maybe, yeah. maybe the way in which we conceive of it from, um, you, know, you mentioned earlier, James, the word measurement from, from, from these sort of uh, qualitative or quantitative uh, uh, approaches, like, you know, looking at things like distance or time or mass, you know, these are things that we have applied to uh, the world around us, but it's not, perhaps those things aren't fundamental. You know, the, you know. if you're familiar, um, I know I shared this with you recently, Deb, and I'm, I'm actually working my way through it now, uh, so it's still new to me, but um, the work of Bernardo Castrob who's talked about, who talks about analytic uh, idealism, uh, which essentially says that, I can kind of break down the, the premise of it, but that's that um, our experience of the world isn't really the world itself. And of course, uh, Donald Hoffman, I know you guys are familiar with him uh, and kind of the um, the way that he explains that the, the the way that you, that we all kind of interact with the world is just is similar to the way that we interact with icons on our desktop. So essentially, you know, the Castrop well, uses the analogy of like, you're a, a pilot in a cockpit and you have in front of you this dashboard of dials that represent what's happening out in the air Around the aircraft, you know, so you can you can literally fly the airplane just by looking at those dials. They 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 aren't the actual air around you, but they allow you to fly the aircraft and you can you can fly by instrumentation alone. And so he's he's using that analogy to say that that's exactly what our lived experience is. We are we are operating in in reality through the, the, the set of dials. We're not actually experiencing reality itself, we're, we're experiencing it through the, through these, uh, intermediary sort of dials and, me- and measurements. So, um, that kind of hints at, um, there being something, uh, at the root of it or, or stranger than, than that, you know, that we just aren't, we aren't primed to, to, to perceive. Um, but it, but perhaps, you know, things like meditation, um, these other practices allow us to, uh, I guess, better tap into that because essentially kind of what you're doing, you think about it and James, you're, you know, obviously well more versed at this than I am, but by practicing meditation, you are in a way trying to separate yourself from the dials of perception that you normally operate in. And so that may be the key kind of to, to tap into what's or at least get closer to what that base reality might, might be.
0: Can I just say, I think that that's a great way of maybe describing simulation theory you know that's that's what i think that's about ultimately
1: yeah it could be it could be right because it could be that you're yeah i mean from the standpoint of um the 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 dials you know are just sort of given to us by the simulators right but the other way to look at it is that we are kind of co-creating it like ourselves so that um matter and experience as we know it, you know, which experience of anything is something that really is derivative of consciousness, not the other way around. Right. So we're still struggling by in researching consciousness to try to figure out how it emerges through the material phenomena in the brain. And we really can't figure that out. And so we're hitting a dead end there. And maybe it's because that's not actually how it works. The brain may be an epiphenomenon of mind, so it may flow the other direction.
2: Yeah. And, um, I don't know, I don't know if it was John Wheeler who said that somebody had the terminology, the participatory universe. Mm. Um, I don't want to call him yeah. For some reason, I'm thinking John Wheeler might not be, uh, you know, who was at uh, Princeton who had the pairs lab, you know, researching the random number generators and our influence on basically the material through mind for if mm-hmm. you lack of a better term but what you're talking about with uh you know the perception of reality actually in um buddhist practice you know vipassana uh is uh they call it insight practice and insight training or or it's one of the pillars called you know wisdom training and you know part of that is you're you're literally destructing reality um and it's not something that you're destructing um, or deconstructing. It's it's your observation of it. That's that's the result of what happens when when you're doing the practice, um, as an almost like an aftermath is the deconstruction of reality by your observation. You know, getting um, you know, just literally observing reality on finer and finer and finer and finer, and finer levels uh, until you gain insight into you know even things that you're talking about.
0: Well, and I want to pull this back a little bit to science. There are some researchers that are studying how we turn our genes on and off with our experiences, with our encounters in reality. So there is, again, another physical scientific indicator of the same sort of idea, right? Mm -hmm. That basically, you know, certain things you eat, will activate some things and certain things you experience may, you know, shut off some genes. James is the one who taught me that you should eat fish oil. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, I you know, there's, there's, there's actual, uh, you know, science behind, you know, consuming fish oil will, will, you know, turn on and off different gene expressions Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so imagine what, you know, thousands of hours of meditation practice or qigong practice, you know, might do. Uh, And again, even if you want to talk about the immaterial aspect or the, you know, unmaterial, seemingly things we can't see, like consciousness that, you know, or again, if we're looking at it as something that's visible or not, and qi and, you know, prana uh, could have effects on our our dna and our gene expressions and turning on and off codons or whatever um yeah i think that's that stuff is definitely like the science of the future right both consciousness and and things like the the dna i think we're we're only just coming to studies like that Mm
0: -hmm. and it's interesting because it makes me think of what you said nathan it's like what if our consciousness is playing with the dials and the dials are our DNA. Mm -hmm. Right. So where do you think the consciousness initially comes from? And that's where it leads me to think about people who have um, near-death experiences and remote viewing experiences. They're going somewhere else. So where is that somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Where do you think that is guys? Where do you think this is from?
1: Yeah, I mean I struggle with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is because yeah. you know, it is kind of a it is a um I mean it's it's a, it's a question that I we may not be well equipped to answer, right? So um you know coming back to something that James said about um about the technology you know it's it's possible that uh, you know kind of advanced states of consciousness their manifestations in our perceived world look like technology. You know, so, so it, but what we were, what we would call, oh, that's technology is really just a a higher um, degree of fidelity and control over consciousness itself that, that we aren't really quite well equipped to, 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 to do. Um, And it may be that, you know, maybe the, the bodies that we have and the material world that we occupy is kind of a, I don't know, a barrier to being able to, uh, exercise that or explore that in a way that you know would be more meaningful. Maybe other non-human intelligences are 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 better at doing this, or have been have been exploring these issues for a lot longer and have uh, you know have a, have advanced their understanding to where they the barrier between what we would call material and consciousness, like maybe that's completely arbitrary. You know, maybe we we have literally just kind of divided the, these houses, but it's all the same house. You know, so it's all the same place. Uh, I think ultimately you're still going to struggle with the fact, uh, you know, what you're hinting at here, Deb, is like, where does it come from? What is the root? What is the source? Uh, we, you know, we our, our minds aren't good with like really large quantities. We're not good at infinity. You know, we don't really do well with that. We don't really do well uh, with that at <laughs> all. And so, you know, I, I definitely struggle <laughs> with, um, you know, kind of what that means. Uh, you know, what happened. You know. We, everyone will always ask the question in our, in our current scientific understanding, you know, what preceded the Big Bang, you know, which is our current, you know, leading hypothesis uh, to the universe. But, you know, we are kind of stepping over that threshold. Right. And this gets to I think to the notion of ideas and how ideas really push our interpretations of what's going on and expand our awareness uh, in ways that that are um, it's not, like uh, kind of un- unpredictable, but they also fashion the world that we occupy. You know, so you know, James, your experiences that you've had throughout your life, I I would probably say it's a safe bet that you've you've looked at them over the course of your life with different perspective. Like as you have grown and gained new experience, you've gone back to those prior experiences and go, okay, maybe it's maybe it's something totally different and and what I wonder is maybe that that's the point, right? So maybe it starts out for everyone as uh, like kind of on uh, a relatable floor, right? And to some degree, uh, that's not not true for everyone's experience. But we 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 start with an experience that we're that we have a correlate to, and then as we as we change that that the correlates change as well, and maybe that's part of the process. Like it's it's supposed to change. It's supposed to not be a static interpretation of what's going
0: on. I feel like it. Um, the experiences that I have had are almost like guiding posts hmm. to help me broaden the discussion with other people. Like some of the things that I have had happen um, all, all through my life, you know, um, probably will just help me. Educate other people with possibilities, mm-hmm. almost like they were purposeful, right. and maybe maybe that goes to the control theory.
1: It could be, but it also yeah. influences you, right, Deb? <laughs> so when you when you share those experiences, right, that that are strongly felt by yourself, and then others willingly share of their experiences with you, you are changed as well, right? right. So it becomes this kind of catalyst for change generally. You know, it's not that, that, right. that those become things that never change.
0: And, you know, it leads me to this question for you, James. What do you think of the concept of um, global consciousness? The shared um, consciousness.
2: The collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that may, that I think it may be a thing. Um, so oh, there's a lot of ways to look at that because, you know, even if you're, if you're having say like a UFO encounter, right. Um, there's, especially with CE5 or, or other types of very close encounters, you, there seems to be a, uh, you know, a, a consciousness connection between yourself and, and UFO intelligence, you know, whether that's facilitated by the technology or not. Um, so, that, I mean, that takes it to an even, you know broader level right is it is it just a, a collective consciousness within without you know earth or you know um are certain levels of intelligences or all intelligences able to connect in some way um in that way you know uh, because again there's You know, usually if you think of like uh, collective consciousness, it's thought about as like the human unconscious collective. You know, what what if it if it goes even broader than that, and it's you know the vast intelligences um, that say are up to a certain level of intelligence, go ranging to another. Um, You know, it's. I would say I, I probably think of it differently now and. Again, when you (laughs) begin to talk about consciousness and then you get into levels of uh, differentiation, it becomes difficult, right? Um, Because.
0: Yeah, I have to say, I keep envisioning basically like, and I've spoken to Nathan a little bit about this at some point, um, just like the orbs being like little nodes on a big web of consciousness that's connected you know, and that's why I brought up, because he was talking about how you change each other, right? You change each other's consciousness. And we talked earlier about how that could even change you genetically. And, and, and just, you know, we keep hearing about the orbs. We keep hearing they're all over the place. We hear about orbs that are, you know, seem to be symbolic of, you know, people who have passed away. In other words, that's like the little embodiment of their consciousness, perhaps, And which makes sense in the sense that we can see that consciousness might have something to do with the energy that's inside of us. So it makes sense that it would be something like energy. But I can just sort of imagine it being, you know, like just all over the place, little nodes that were. And when you're doing C5, perhaps you're just triggering nodes. You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You're talking. On like a Alex gray level of art, where he's like envisioning envisioning the kind of energetic the energetics or you know again what we would call unmaterial or immaterial mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean again if you're if if consciousness is fundamental and somehow uh interwoven into the fabric of everything uh there would be some pathway right
0: mm-hmm. And and it's interesting because people with near-death experience uh, describe like being pulled back, like off onto that pathway, you know, like through a tunnel, Mm. you know, back to somewhere, which is the place that I'm still interested in. Mm -hmm. That somewhere, and you know, you hear about other people who um, have basically remote view to a place where there's lots of orbs, and mediums talk about lots of orbs. And mm-hmm. these little balls of energy, so I just I really sense there's something to that. I think there's something we just don't understand yet because, you know, we're still trying to figure all of this out. I think there might be something to that concept.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, I, I love the ideas, and um, you know, when you just what you're we just saying made me think about light itself. You know how we think of light as a as a particle, a photon of light, but it's all light. You know, it's all. So these orbs are, they're, it's like there's this, there's this distinction, but also connection uh, quality to them as well. You know, we we, it, it's funny how a perception works, right? When we see things like that, we think that they are distinct. You know, we think that because they're bright and they're round, spherical, that they kind of only are there, right? They only occupy that one point, but, you know, that could literally be, completely wrong. You know, it could be like, almost like um, if you were to think about a sheet, right. Uh, And underneath that sheet uh, there's, you know, a child um, and then there's a hole in the sheet, you know, and they're sticking their finger through the hole. Like you're just going to see the finger, but there's a whole child there, you know, underneath all of that. Um, And so maybe that is what is happening. We're just, it's just that little bit that we're really perceiving
2: well it's also interesting that um you know during this one out-of-body experience i had um and it it could be other out-of-body experiences i had as well but this in particular um one it was actually the first time i ever heard about uh yoga nidra Hmm. and i was like oh my let me let me actually just try this right and um So uh, there was some video and I I watched it like two or three times and then did a kind of version of yoga Nidra, um, which is um, kind of like a form of very restful yoga. But part of the practice is to be more aware when you're even in the sleeping state that your consciousness is almost aware still as well. And, you know, when I, I didn't know what to expect or, you know, I didn't, honestly, I wasn't expecting anything to really happen. And as soon as I, I could assume, right. That my body fell asleep. I just remember like, you know, doing the practice and then all of a sudden, I'm just a, a point of awareness. Right. So like an orb, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I couldn't see myself from that point. I was looking outward from that point, but I was just a point of awareness, like literally just floating above my head laying down and looking straight ahead of me and i was just a point of awareness that was there for the entire time that i was i was asleep mm-hmm. and it was a, it was this weird perception of reality and it was like almost like a time lapse mm-hmm. it was it was very you know surreal and lucid it was very it's it's hard to describe i guess you know it it felt like i was you know in i guess you can say in a point of being astral or something these are just words i'm using to try to describe something that's almost indescribable from our current point of you know understanding but um i was this point of awareness just looking and i guess you can say at that point of awareness could have been like an energetic orb if somebody else were to see it or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, I better say it, we we can tie in also the Akashic field. I better say it because Akashi Chris will be mad if I don't mention it. It
1: will be. It's true.
0: <laughs> and and that might be where you were. You know, I we don't know enough to say um, exactly what's going on with that other level and that could be the very definition of the other dimensions. You know, we don't know. And I wish we did. Do you know more, James? Can you tell us more? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean,
2: one thing that they, they say about that is like the Akashic field um, is everywhere, right? Every, every, the entire universe is folded within every fabric of it, like a quantum hologram. Mm. I know, uh, you know, Dr. Edgar Mitchell has talked about that and other people, but that, you know, the, the conscious quantum hologram is the idea that the entirety of everything is, is folded within every part of itself, hmm. you know, um, and we're just expressions of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's the secret. I actually, if you want to know the secret to everything, I'll tell you right <laughs> now, the secret to the universe is love. <laughs>
1: There you um, go.
0: Okay, I was I was thinking you were gonna say forty two. <laughs> <laughs> you know the-
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> okay. love and forty two for those yeah. that you know are dorky like me and love know what it. that means. Okay, so I before mm. we wrap it up because I do want to be mindful of your time. I just want to get to you know the thing that is at the heart of um, our community, of course. A little bit more on the UFOs. Um, you and I have spoken a bit about um, what the communication is that we're getting um, when we try to communicate, when we reach out with our consciousness, with C 5 with meditation, with becoming antennas, you know, however you wanna put it. What is it that we're getting back? What is the impression we're getting back?
2: Are we talking about like contact specifically?
0: Yes. Or,
2: okay. Um, so that's very, this is a very difficult um, thing to discuss because it's so subjective and we have all these filters and, and, and my kind of point of view now is that we have very flawed interpretations um, and I don't mean that in a negative way but if you just think of it from a logical perspective you know there's some other form of intelligence that's interacting with us And we're trying to to kind of make sense of these impressions or downloads um, or even communications that we receive from an intelligence that we have no familiarity with. We have no point of reference other than that interaction itself. So that interaction itself is our our point of reference. And, um, you know, I think, that that, you know we you can have all these impressions and what that impression means to you uh you know i'm not sure if that is the intended communication from what the phenomenon is trying to communicate or just how we're interpreting it um i mean there there are some communications that i or or impressions that i think come through very direct and strongly but You know, I don't know how well we're wired to have, um, you know, this uh, kind of like direct communication. So maybe all this contact over the years is an evolutionary process of of getting clearer and clearer on some of the communications, um, possibly. I mean, you think an advanced intelligence like that would just be able to directly communicate as clearly as it wanted to and it very well may be able to do that um but you know maybe we're not as <laughs> as greatly equipped for that maybe that's not even the intention of the phenomenon right um so i think that's something that we have to kind of look more into and try to understand i mean because you know during one of my contact experiences, there was a direct thing <laughs> saying come outside and as as soon as i had heard the that in in my mind and in my body i instantly knew the whole thing of everything that was going on in that contact uh encounter right i knew i was going to go outside and there was going to be a ufo out there and there was going to be this contact event and maybe at that point I was just because it was the day after I had something akin to an NDE. Um, and maybe because it was that close to an event like that, that I was clear enough to just receive an entire download with everything. And then, you know, afterwards that subtly, you know, lessened a bit. So where I have impressions now, they're not as crazy direct as that one. Um, or is there is there something more to it? I you know, I think that this is precisely why uh, you know, C five and contact work is, is so important because you know, I think we're we're only at the very beginning of, of a kind of research field into proactive uh, contact and communication with non human intelligence and UFOs in a coherent manner.
0: I hope we get there. I hope we get there in a peaceful way because, you know, we're all concerned about things that we're seeing about baiting and exploitation right now. And, and obviously we don't want to agitate the phenomenon, of course. So um, I wanted to say that, I, you know, just if you get a chance to see, I did talk to someone who really went into a deep dive on how difficult it would be to communicate. Um, it was the Ask an Alien project. did a great video on youtube where it was like breaking down all the different barriers that we would have to overcome and potential pitfalls for communication um so what you were describing kind of you know the impressions i was thinking i think we have to rely on some of our innate abilities which is where we go a little blue, right i was thinking all those experiences when I was younger, which by the way, involved ghosts and going to haunted houses, mm-hmm. um, I really learned to detect where I might have some more ability, okay? Which tends to be more sensory for me. So it's you know very much something I would feel, mm. not something yeah. I would see. And, and this is something I wanna talk to Priscilla about one day too. I think that you really have to rely on your own personal ability. Like, so where's your strength? Is it auditory visual for me? Yeah. Like that's what I think. You're completely.
2: Gonna can I'll tell you right now. It's like a million percent <laughs> kinesthetic. Um, okay. That's, that's why uh, I, I made a video called meta contact, you know, meta M E T T A uh, contact. Cause for me, you know, rather than doing the CE5 protocols and remote viewing, visualizing, although you can use that on the side and it's helpful for me, I just get into a state of gratitude and connectedness and that feeling of that and mm-hmm. that feeling of connectedness. And for me, that's just contact is way more direct and, and um, I, those, I get more impressions that way.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you at some other time about how i use it for experiences but it's definitely again i know what what my skill base is so i use that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah um love that yeah and i love too. like so i'm kind of laughing inside when we're talking about communication because you know, if you've ever been in a relationship with anyone, you, you can point to plenty of examples where, where communication has happened, but understanding is not, <laughs> right? So <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I, can, I can point to a lot of examples like that, uh, <laughs> you know, almost on a daily basis. Um, and that just shows how hard it is, even with beings that are on a similar, you know, on a similar and very closely connected uh, sort of conscious level. You know, so the fact that we would want to have a, a communication and an understanding Uh, With a non-human intelligence, I think there are there's some pretty extreme hurdles. However, and you know, Exo and I talked about this in um, Episode two of liminal frames, but uh, the fact that um, So many of the stories that that you hear about interactions with with non-human intelligence that the fact that communication is happening at all Tells you something and is to me an indication of what is actually more fundamental so there there must be something more fundamental than our our lived experience in in the world on earth that is shared across intelligence uh in, in the universe you know so oh, that there and, must be a deeper language in other words
2: well i and that's the entire premise of ce5 and um so you know i'm gonna have to quote dr Rear here because he's the one who had has repeated this so many times um is that you know the ability to be aware and awake is why ce5 works and he Mm -hmm. he's basically saying that's the universal language is is consciousness and again you know not every ce5 is going to happen like this but there's some you know contact experiences and close encounters where you know you, you know just through the interaction you see the fault of or the failures of language when you have that kind of direct connection um that again is you can only it's it's very experiential so mm-hmm. for me to tr- to try to describe it in a language is almost <laughs> you know defeating what it actually is I, I couldn't I could never
0: and I think can never what, yeah I think that's what i meant it's it based it's based on each individual's own abilities essentially yeah and it's it's i I need to point this out some people get a very clear auditory message Mm -hmm. yeah i am i i have gotten one whether or not that was related to a piece i don't know but that has happened once
2: yeah i'll tell you just a really funny story um Cause it's the audit, you know, the auditory. So primarily I'm very kinesthetic, but I do, you know, during CE five, it's almost like they're teaching you different modalities and it's, 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 it's that's a whole nother kind of thing is, especially if you're working within a group, uh, the UFO phenomena interacts with you in, in different ways. And it, it's almost like teaching you different things. And that kind of gets into valet's thing a little, uh, although valet would not tell you to do CE five probably. <laughs> um, but I, one day I was doing a CD five uh, with my friend Dave, um, and I heard I heard a name, and I have it written down somewhere. I don't have it with me right now, but I heard a name, and it was like very clear that I had this name, and I I heard the name in my mind. So I'm like, that's that's weird. I you know maybe that's just my mind kind of like making not making something up, and maybe that's something that's just. I was doing my meditation CE5 and that's just something my mind, you know, regurgitated. Um, so, but I wrote it down and after we finished the meditation and everything, I, I told my friend David I said, hey, this such and such happened. And he said, oh, you know, why don't you look it up? I said, yeah, it's a good idea. So I, I went on Google and I looked up the name and okay, this could be a synchronicity and it can be just pure dumb coincidence. Or could actually be pointing to something, and that's that I looked up whatever this name was, and it was a name of a random comic from like the nineteen forties that I had obviously never heard of. It was not popular or well known or anything, and it was a it was a um a comic about an extraterrestrial being. So I and again I, this and it was never one I've heard about after or before. It was like some kind of random. I don't want to say lame comic, but it was a kind of like, I've never heard of it before since. Wow. And uh, and I looked it up, and it was a, a, a comic about an E.T., and I was like, what? The? You know, I was like, you know, <laughs> epiphany, kind of like excited, because sure. what are the odds of that, right? You know? And it was, I've never heard that name before, and I, I had never seen that comic before. So again, high strangeness, mm-hmm. right? And it was often an auditory thing. And I'm usually not an auditory person, but I received an auditory kind of impression. I went with it, and I was just like, I don't know what to make of that. And we did have, you know, um, orbs in the sky that night. Wow.
0: Yeah. And I I will say that, you know, in meditation, for those who are trying to explore and to get closer to this concept, I have had the periodist experiences with meditation. I've gotten some really strange messages. I've been pulled places that I would not have imagined. You know, but you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't begin to say what that is or what that's about. um So one day, you know, of course, I hope we unlock all those mysteries. In the meantime, I am so glad you came, James, and I really want another time for us to sit down and figure out. Um, some things that I want to know, like light entities. We're going to have to talk about that, you know, (laughs) Um, what you think is, yeah, go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say, and you know, it just came to my mind. Um, You know, the funny thing about that story I told you too, now that I'm thinking about it is, um, you know, part of that could be seen as, um, you know, either the phenomenon communicated that to me, or is that something I intuited about, what you know the intelligence i was interacting with right um just mm-hmm. like i had spoken to eric wargo and he, he's written books about time loops and 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 also lucid dreaming and and precognitive dreaming mm-hmm. and um you know i i had a really intense contact experience that involved a dream and you know, one way I looked at it was that was the phenomenon kind of communicating with me in the dream state. But he, he actually, I showed him the video. I said, What do you think of this since you're kind of one of the guys on this subject? And he said, It's uh, that to me, it looks like a precognition dream, actually. Hmm. So, how do you, you know, which, how do you determine which one it was? And then, how do you take that apart? Or maybe is it possibly right. both somehow?
0: That's yeah. what I mean. I think everything's going to end up being connected. And, yeah. and honestly, if you would put all the experiences in a room together, I wouldn't be surprised if if we had a lot of pre dreams happening, a lot of auditory messages happening, a lot of sensory, a lot of visual, you know, um, and a lot of feelings of, you know, connection to a different field, so on and so forth. I think, I think ultimately we're going to find out there's truth in everything that we're looking at. I think there's something that's uh, a part of all the theories that could be correct, which is why I don't really like to discount any of them. Um, I think there's an element to all of it that we should be paying attention to. I agree.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, you know, again, Sixto Paz Wells and Mission Rama in the 1870s were using automatic writing. Today, I mean, that's not in the pop culture as much. So we'd kind of say, Oh, automatic writing. That's not the same as remote viewing, but here this guy was doing automatic writing, um, which for, if people aren't familiar with this, you're basically just scribbling until you let energy flow through you. And it becomes coherent without your conscious awareness. So something is, is writing maybe you're unconscious, collective unconscious, who knows? And it was validated by, very direct ufo
0: experiences. And then we know yogis have been trying to perfect, you know, being at a different level and they they dedicate on their lives to that. So, they, I yeah. think we'll we'll find a lot of things are really connected ultimately and I look forward to trying to solve this mystery with you guys because that's all that I'm all about, truth, putting the puzzle pieces together, yes. educating people. Getting people prepared. I'll leave my questions about what you think it is for another time, James.
1: <laughs> oh man. The conversation
0: yeah, well, continues, I- right? <laughs> I again thank you so much for coming. Before we sign off, let's go ahead and find out where we can reach you guys. Nathan, can you please tell us where we can reach you?
1: Sure. Yeah. So the best way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. I'm at a wave soul. Uh, and then if you're interested in, uh, listening to uh, things that I say, uh, for whatever reason, you can find me on liminal frames, uh, with XO Academian on his YouTube channel, uh, which is exo And then on my, uh, other show, uh, calling all beings with, uh, with you, Deb and DJ and Akashi Chris and, and Kevin, Flarius Kevin, uh, where we talk to the community and really try to get, uh, to the heart of what's going on, and um, yeah, I'm open to any any and all inquiries and questions. Love to talk about this stuff,
0: right? And James, please tell us about your multiple efforts.
2: Yeah, and so, channels. For, yeah, <laughs> so for uh, for more UFO phenomenon uh, related material, I have engaging the phenomenon, which I mostly talk about. Uh, you know, UFOs and consciousness and CE five. And that's on YouTube, and it's on Twitter, and it's on Spotify, and um, I also have Meta Perspective, which talks more about uh, meditation and approaches to meditation and consciousness. Um, but it also is is getting into more, again, meta perspective, so um, almost transcendental topics or how you know beyond uh, topics, things of that nature. And that's also on YouTube and uh, Spotify and Twitter.
0: Excellent. And I did peek at that today, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everyone, you have a good night. It was great talking to you. I look forward to talking to you again. Bye. Take care.
2: Thank you for joining me as we work
0: on Shedding Light on the Phenomenon, I can be reached at Study of UAPs, ufoconnector.com, and the Calling All Beings YouTube channel. I can be reached on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Until next time, take care.